This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. Favorite, it's Judd's Hockey Show. And yes, it is Judd's Hockey Show. It's the Wednesday edition, which means it's not just Judd. It's not just Declan. It's also the lovely Jesse Pierce, Bar Down Beauties, NHL.com. She covers the wild. She asks the hard-hitting press conferences uh, or questions at press conferences that sometimes she's covering and sometimes she's not. Because you know what? She always has takes, which we absolutely love. Um, and we we join you with the Wild on a, count them, one-game win streak coming off a 5 nothing victory over the Islanders on Monday. Uh, Jesse and Declan, the Wild now 43 games into their season, 18 wins, 20 losses, 5 overtime losses, 41 points, which puts them um, fourth from the bottom of the Western Conference. The Ducks, 31 points, the Blackhawks, 28, and San Jose, 24 uh, but the Wild is, as of right now, eight points back of a potential wild card slash playoff spot. So, with all, all of that being said, uh, Jesse and I were both at the Bill Guerin press conference on Monday, a state of the team, where things stand. And Jesse, we'll start with you. What was your main takeaway uh, from what competitive battle and Billy said about his team? I mean, pun intended, he sold us a bill of goods, certainly did. And he remained confident in this team because the big question was, does he believe that they are still playoff bound? I mean, the volatile inconsistencies that Minnesota Wild have had this season is just too much. It's too much to continue to believe that they're going to be a playoff team. There's too much ground to make up. There's too many inconsistencies being made constantly night in and night out that it's just hard to wrap your mind around. The biggest takeaway that I have, it was curious that he was very kind of not adamant, Judd, and you had a nice follow-up, but when I asked him about the trade deadline, it's only seven weeks away. That's not right. that much time. And usually by now you've got a good assessment of your team, of where they stand, and you've seen Bill Guerin be very active at deadline when the team is in good standing. It made me curious as to where he feels the team is when they are in poor standing as they are. Do you want a clear house? Do you want to move what you can? I mean, can you get anything back? And I know we discussed that in past episodes of Judd's Hockey Show. But the biggest thing was he was kind of almost... I don't want to say it's not harsh because Bill Guerin's never really harsh necessarily, but he definitely took a different tone. Like, well, I haven't even considered it. And you followed up with, well, you know, what would you do? And he kind of said, I don't know, which I think is fair because I don't think he, he does know. I'm not sure and confident that Bill Guerin has a complete wrap around what this team is. He keeps saying that they have an identity. I don't think they do. I would counter him with that. And also I think he doesn't really know what to do with the salary cap situation. I hate to keep going back to that. I hate to no. keep using that as an excuse. But it is. I think Bill Guerin is in over his head when it comes to salary cap restraints. I think especially with Jaron Spurgeon being the only injured player, excuse me, Vinny Letary is as well, but trying to figure out where to move him. He's got to be on LTIR, and why does he have to be on LTIR? When does he come back? All of that to say Bill Guerin didn't give me a heck of a whole lot of confidence, even if he wanted to say he did. That's my takeaway, Judd. Dexter, thoughts? I, I think the, the only way they can really like make moves at the deadlines if they're to Jesse's point with the salary cap issues, like they're just salary cap swapping, right? Like, and I know you have to say that 10 times fast, but like <laughs> that's the only real way that they can make moves here. It's not going to be the way of buying to buy because 
uh, there's holes in the roster and maybe you're a position or a player away from being really competitive. And typically when that happens, you know, you give up future assets and draft picks to acquire better players. At this point, they don't really have that luxury here. Mm-hmm. So if they're going to be quote unquote buyers or hell, even sellers at the deadline, it's going to be mostly like NBA trades where there's even salary being swapped. Um, that's the only way they can really shake up the roster. And then if they want to sell some things off, I mean, by all means, I'm, I'm for that. Slam the phone, uh, slam the phone down on yes on all of those things. But if they're going to do any type of moving and shaking, it's mostly just going to be salary cap swapping. I think you could I, make some trades, though, to get draft picks back, right? And, and subtract caps, cap room, if a team can uh, take on cap. Now, I understand you're not, there's not going to be wholesale changes here. Like, I think when we talk about trades, some folks are like, well, you can't trade Felino and Hartman and Zuccarello, blah, blah, blah. They're not going to trade them all. But I think that there's the potential for moves. And I think that you could actually swap out and, and you know, maybe get conditional picks back. Like, it's going to be a third-round pick if your team does this, but if your team does that, it's a first-round pick. Uh, Jesse, you brought up an interesting point that uh, Russo shined a light on in his story in The Athletic, Uh, but I think it's worth discussing. It's in the weeds a little bit, but it's important. If you guys remember, at the deadline last year, because they had been healthy and because of the circumstances, the Wild had actually accrued a bunch of cap space. And so they made trades. I think they acquired... Dmitry Orlov uh, from the Capitals and and um, shipped him to Boston, trafficked him to Boston. I think they acquired, um, or I, I know they acquired Ryan O'Reilly, best right? Best center in wild history. Best center in yeah. wild history. Best center in wild history and trafficked him to Nashville. So that was all like very, though, like that took a lot of work as far as you had to know the cap inside out. And Jesse, you said it yourself. Bill Guerin is not much like me. I'm a math guy. Like I have no idea how I know how the, what I see, but I don't know how to manipulate the cap. Uh, Russo's piece confirmed that with the wilds cap guy gone now, uh, and, and that still remains a mystery that the central registry of the national hockey league is helping the wild manage their cap. So as a person that covers this team on a daily basis, and as a practice a lot and talks to players and Garen and, and John Hines way more than Dexter, I do. What's your takeaway there as far as that restricting potential moves? Because they're clearly, to what Declan was saying, there has to be a really good understanding and sounding board to make the type of like strategic, intricate, cap-related deals. How much does this change the price of poker here, the fact that the Wild internally does not have that guy now or gal to sort of guide you through if you're Bill Guerin to say, you could do this, you could do this, but you sure as hell can't do that. I mean, that's what made the firing or parting of ways with Chris O'Hearn as abrupt as it happened so bad and so questioning, right? Like, what happened? Because he was that guy. He was the guy that made them very, very smart. He had his hands in, in the weeds um, very differently than from what Bill Guerin had. And, and not to say Bill Guerin obviously doesn't play a role in some of those moves, but that was all Chris O'Hearn. He was the right-hand man for Bill for a reason. He was the one that educated, I think, Bill on a lot of those salary cap issues and got you know got him that knowledge that I think is a little over Bill Guerin's head right now. And I think um, having the league step in and take over isn't great. I imagine there are a lot of teams and a lot of ownerships who are not happy with that news having been confirmed now. Um, so it'll be a very interesting even offseason as to what the owners have to say and the GMs have to say when they all meet together learning of this. Um, you know, I think it changes a lot because I've obviously I'd imagine the NHL and I'm, I'm with you, Judd. 
I don't know a lot about the salary cap half the time. I know it goes up, it goes down, it usually right. goes up just a little bit. But like you accrue um, space and that makes no sense. I know you do it or yes. you don't do it, but I don't understand it. It comes and goes. It's you know, yeah. it's much like my bank account. It just fluctuates, it gets money <laughs> thrown away sometimes. You it just doesn't go really to the get machine and yep. get as much as you possibly can <laughs> and then to hell with the bills. Exactly. I know. I'm like, well, those shoes looked better than that uh XL energy <laughs> payment made. So uh no, I mean I imagine if I'm understanding it correctly, the league itself would probably have a very conservative approach as far as what you can do with the salary cap. And again, I think that was the big question. We asked Bill Guerin if Jared Spurgeon had been moved to LTIR, and he said, no, I don't think so. I don't know. And then afterward, in an effort to, you know, obviously just have a conversation, we're like, well, he has to be. You guys don't have room to have any of these right. guys up then. So it's like that's, again, where we're kind of misaligned with Bill Guerin's understanding of what the cap exactly is. So it'll be curious. I don't know how the communication works between the league and Bill, too, then when he wants to make these moves or what does that look like, right? Because they have to have a say in it if they are, have their fingers in it. It's that bank owner or it's that uh, bank management that you wouldn't want. I certainly want to, wouldn't want to bank with the NHL if I wanted to make moves because I think they wouldn't let me. they wouldn't let me buy my Nike shoes that I so desperately wanted, and I don't like that. Amen. Yeah, but I actually, like, speak of the devil, my tax guy just left me a voicemail like 20 minutes ago being like, hey, it's tax season. Let's uh, let, let's start gathering those documents, which I'm like, buddy, it's January 17th. Yet. Give me a couple more weeks before I start thinking about taxes. Yeah. I don't have my sakes. my forms yet. I know. I don't have any I forms I can't do either. anything. I don't think I'm you're hamstrung. required to get them until the end of January, yeah. right? Like, they have yeah, to be at the end of Typically, January. we're a little, a little early on that for my, yeah. for my tax guy. He's proactive. Yes. He I will say, um, if they're... You know, it, with with all the even yeah, the off the ice situations that have happened to the Wild, which are also kind of blurring and putting a black eye on the season that already has been disappointing. This is where like being buyers of the deadline, it just doesn't make any sense. Um, not just because you don't have the salary cap space and not just because your team's not good enough. But do you really want to put even more added pressure on putting a band, putting a fix on a team that is clearly far and away not even close to being uh, competitive in a deep Western conference right now. And look, that's difficult, especially for the wild who have been usually pretty good and in the conversation for the last four years. And with bill, that's a little uncharted territory, even coming from the penguins who have always been routinely really good. So this is probably an area where he's not even used to being in, but at this point, even with the, the off the ice things that have happened here, there's, there's really no point to being big time buyers at the deadline. My interpretation of what Bill said Monday was this. It felt like he was talking to us as if he was addressing the locker room. Like it felt like he it felt like he's probably talked to the people behind the scenes who know what's real, but he doesn't want the players to read, well, I'm pretty much done here. Like we got to give up or something like that. So I felt like we were the conduits where, oh my God, if the fans or players see this, they'll think we're not quitting yet. But as, as I asked him, I think it was one of the last questions, Jesse, I said, you're not going to tell the players that you're quitting, but you got to tell ownership, Leopold, the truth. Like, like you don't have, you can't just go, oh, it's going to be fine. We're going to do this. And I sensed the way that he approached that question was, yeah, they know what's up. And he talked about a, a two-track plan, sort of. I think the we're still trying plan is a pie-in-the-sky music man, I'm selling this act plan. I think the real plan is, and again, I don't think that they're going to subtract a ton, but to what Declan just said, I also don't think there's any way in God's green earth they're going to go try and get help. And I could see them making a deal to try and get draft picks. Because just the one thing that I will say is this, 
this season stinks. Like it's not fun to watch. And I get all that. Um, but unlike the Fletcher years, the future of this team is not crashing. Like when you look at the prospects and when you look at who's coming up and, and the Russian kids and some of the, you know, and Swede and, and, and the Swedish kid, Olgren, when you look at this uh, between Bill and Judd Brackett, I think they've actually carved out a pretty good path. You know, with Fletcher, it's like, oh, my God, there's nothing left here. The cupboards are bare. This is just, uh, okay, this is rough for now. But if you do this right, you should be absolutely fine. It's just going to take patience. Eating better is easy with Factors. Delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Always fresh, chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. From pancakes to smoothies to meals and more, discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. And if you're always on the go and eating a quick and easy way to find something to eat, you need to try Factor Meals. They have an easy-to-use website. Factor is also flexible. Change up your order every week with plans from 6 to 18 meals per week or pause or reschedule your delivery at any time. You can sign up and save and we've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals/judd50 and use code judd50 to get 50% off. That's code judd50 at factormeals.com to get 50% off. Go check out Factor Meals. And that's obtained by Bill taking the approach of not trading away draft picks, of coveting those and really keeping them, even acquiring them in different moves that he's made over the course of the year and in keeping some of his top prospects, right? That's something that under the Chuck Fletcher era, we never saw. And Chuck Fletcher continues to do that everywhere he goes out in Philadelphia right now, doing the same old thing. Like, sure, take our first rounders, which it just doesn't make sense. Now, I still maintain hockey is so incredibly different, right? You could have a first overall pick and he could not pan out. You've seen that happen for the Rangers with Alex Lafreniere. It's not always a guaranteed thing. As of late, however, it really is very strong classes coming in and out. And I'm not saying you need them all to be Connor Bedards and jump right in at 18 years old, but you are going to get a very, very good player in that first round, it seems, from here on out. Um, So it's important for Minnesota Wild to keep that mentality in mind. I think the tough thing that Bill probably battles with back and forth not only his own inner competitiveness, right? He's a hockey guy through and through, and he's a guy that wants to win. He's a professional athlete. He's won at the highest level. But I also think he's got a battle with Craig Leopold. We all know how much Craig Leopold loves making the playoffs, how much he loves the playoff revenue that is brought in from the team just simply being there and being present. And so I think a lot of that pressure comes down on Bill Guerin, then obviously Craig Leopold saying, hey, nope, it's unacceptable for us not to make the playoffs. I don't care if we get bounced in the first round. But I want those three ga- three home games. I want those four home games here to get that ticket revenue. And I'm sorry, that's just kind of how it is. So I think that's got to be a big challenge for Bill as well. Not only his inner desire to win and his inner hunger, but I think Bill can look past that and say, hey, you know what? It's not here. We're not contenders anyway. But right. I also think he's got to, yeah, you're right, make that plea and approach to Leopold just saying, hey, we need to be honest with ourselves, right? I also look at it this. I was talking about this at the rink today. Minnesota is bad in a very bad Western conference. Like imagine if they were out East, right? Like, I mean, people are all griping about, Oh, you know, look at Toronto falling apart. I'm like, they're not, they're still Toronto. They would kick the wilds, butt every yeah. single night. I mean, Minnesota's lucky to be in the conference that they're in. Cause it's a little bit softer, but I just, 
it's it's going to be a while. I think fans, I know it's hard to be patient, and they have every right to be as upset as they have been with the season, considering the amount of money that they've shelled out. But I think realistically, take a take a peek at the season and take it for what it is, and it is just not a good year. Yeah, they have a shot here to get a legit top 10 pick for the first time. If they obviously stay the course, we pro- the Wild probably aren't going to be in an area where they're putting themselves in the Blackhawks territory, at least pending an epic collapse. You know, they're already, what, 13 points up on Chicago, who's terrible, Anaheim's terrible. Like, they'd have to really kind of spiral out of control here, which, I mean, given how streaky they are, I guess it's not completely out of the question. But they have a shot here of getting, potentially, even as high as the uh, the sixth overall pick in the draft, which is something they rarely ever do. Mm-hmm. So at this point, at, that's where you're at. With buyouts, with what the buyouts having uh, being on your books for another season after this, obviously, the last year of that, you just kind of got to start hitting a little bit of a reset here. And it's unfortunate, but you definitely shouldn't be trying to figure out ways to sneak into the playoffs and seeing what happens. I just I don't see the Wild being good enough or any situation to do that. And, and the good news you, is, if they do get sorry. high in the draft, it won't be an AJ Thielen that they're drafting. I'm just saying. I'm just throwing. That wow, out. that's a James call! Shepard. Oh my god! How about a James Shepard? How about no. a James? God, I used. To, I wanted James Shepard to work out so bad, and well, it just because you had a crush on him. I did. He was a cute player. But man, he was he a wings. bust! He had a, yeah, yeah, he he but was a bust. I think Thielen was even worse. No, oh, like, the Thielen thing was overall? a mess. Yeah. yeah. Well, he, he what? He quit school. He didn't play here. He quit. He was at. At Michigan State, I think he got booted or quit the Spartans, went and played junior hockey. I covered it because it was like a Sunday night when he left the program in Michigan State. Yeah. And I don't think he ever played here. It was a, yeah, it was a complete mess. Well, I mean, look at, they, in 2000, um, coming out, out of the lockout. So it was that 2005, 2004, five was lost. So yep. in that next draft, the lottery, which was like a, a free for all because of the fact they hadn't played a season. The Wild was like, and that's the Crosby draft. And the Wild's getting closer to one. And it's like, oh, my God, are they going to get Sidney Crosby? And I think they got the sixth pick or something. And they took Benoit Pouliot, who oh. turned out to be one of the ultimate journeyman slappies of all time. <laughs> I do think, though, I do think that if patience is shown, that there is hope. Like, there's legitimate hope. It's not, you know, I mean, you've got a nice young core here. Uh, I- Iowa's probably dried up just a, a bit. But you still got your goaltender there. And then to my point, overseas, you've got some really nice, nice parts. So I think that I think this is where Bill has to tell Craig, let's do this right. I know you want the I know you want the playoff gate, but you know what we really want? We we want a Stanley Cup. And if we do this right, we can contend for one. And it's not going to be five years. It's going to be a few years. It's going to be probably two more years. Um, so I think that that is I think the positive is, although it feels crappy right now, there actually is. Uh, a pot of gold at the end of the wild's proverbial rainbow. This is me saying this. That's right, wow. folks. If they do do this right. Speaking of good, Mark Andre Fleury finally got five fifty two to pass Patrick Waugh on Monday. So he he is now in second place all time. Nobody's going to catch Broder, so he he's going to stay in in second. But it's still a great accomplishment. I don't think he I don't think he will be caught. Hell, I don't think Waugh is is going. To, to be caught at 551. Um, but Jesse, how great was that in the locker room with his two kids? Because uh, I think his other daughter just had tonsillitis and, and had a tonsillectomy. So she was not there, but his two kids were on his lap. He is just, I mean, as far as I can tell, unless I'm completely being bamboozled, the nicest guy. Um, aw shucks. 
uh, accommodated everyone who, as far as equipment guys taking pictures with them, Aaron Sickman of the PR department taking pictures. That was, if there's like a feel-good moment for a person in sports, and especially with a quote-unquote legend, that was up there. That was a really cool thing, I thought, to witness. Oh, I mean, it's I've been trying to soak in all the Marc-Andre Fleury moments in general this year because it does feel like this is kind of the, the goodbye tour, you know, as he's deciding what to do about his future on his final year of the contract with Minnesota here. But it is, he is the nicest person I have ever met. He's always got a smile. He's always willing to talk to us. Um, always says hello, even if he, like, even today during practice, post-practice, he's like, hi, Jesse, I got to run. And it's because, turns out, because he has to go do the Pat McAfee show on ESPN, you know what I mean? But he still takes those little moments just yep. to acknowledge you and recognize, and that is every single person that he's ever met in his life. It's funny because I don't know that there is another player on this planet across sports that universally their teammates of former teammates will say he is a great guy. I adore playing with him. Like, cause I think that's how everybody feels and it's so genuine and so authentic. I love Matt Zuccarello said it best when he was like, he's a better teammate than he is a goalie and he's second all time for now. You know what I mean? Like it's those moments and you know, to have his kids there and, and he is, he's a humble guy at the end of it all too. He does do the aw shucks thing, but it's not just a ploy. It's genuinely how he feels. Like I'm thrilled that he got this achievement knocked off so we can quit bugging him about it. Cause the poor man doesn't want to keep talking about himself and want to keep talking about this. And he reiterates that in every statement saying, Hey, I'm just happy. We got the team win. I'm happy. We got the team closer. And he's a guy that really means it. So Mark Andre Fleury, a special, special athlete. Um, and you're right, Judd. I think he's going to hold that record for quite some time. He did joke uh, when we asked him if he can go after Broder. He said, I need another 15 years in order to uh, achieve that, which is, is not uh, not a lie. I think that's an untouchable. Yeah, he. I mean, he's the hockey royalty, and you know, he probably actually, if it wasn't for Gustafson kind of stepping up uh, last, I mean, he probably should have gotten to it towards the end of last season, and obviously got delayed this year too, to a degree. But I mean, yeah, he's he's a Hall of Famer, and you know, this was a guy too that, you know, the the Wild needed a missing goal, had a missing goaltending piece two years ago, and yeah, this is a this is definitely one of those people where you just kind of soak in. You know, the the Twins had Jim Tomey. 14 years ago, which was also kind of in a similar boat where he was at the end of the run and just being, having him on the team was a, was a pretty cool fat, uh, cool, pretty cool factor. And now um, with Marc-Andre Fleury here and probably wrapping it up. And I will say, and I love this too. And I send it to a couple of buddies who also work in PR, not on the wild, but you know that Aaron Sickman and that crew saw when the schedule was released in the summer, that when Marc-Andre Fleury was inevitably going to pass this mark, that the Penguins game was going to be the honor. That that email was drafted in July, and they just had to update a few key sentences and words it had said. I thought that was genius. It's great. It's a great way to honor him. You get the Penguins in town where he spent the majority of his career with. You're going to get pictures with Sidney Crosby and Bill Guerin and everyone that he was with there, too. So, yeah, very special player in a very special moment. Do you play him that game, then? Feb 9? Yeah. Probably. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? He, yeah. he plays oh, I would. in Pittsburgh, I'm, right? Like, I'm just yeah. Going back to saying. that when people were all PO'd about it, like, well, he plays bad here. You guys need to know that. Like, he doesn't play well in Pittsburgh. He doesn't like it. Right, right. Yeah. And he, he's fun, too, because, I mean, how, how many guys currently play his style or even close? Like, we still see him flopping all over. It's great to watch. I love it. Um, but, I mean, he plays a style where he, he makes – he makes what are now like structurally routine saves for some 
look absolutely fantastic. The man came out of his goal. He was so pissed off against the Coyotes that he basically <laughs> threw a check in the corner and tried to move the puck. Like, I love it because he seems like a great guy. But that competitive fire or something, mm-hmm. like, he's got this next. I mean, he wants to fight. And, and in fact, it is a shame. National Hockey League, shame on you. Jordan Bennington and him, now, in retrospect, I'm even more ticked off that they didn't allow that fight. Because yeah. that's the thing. is like Waugh. Who, who he grew up, of course, loving, was in some great brawls, mm-hmm. absolutely great brawls. And for the league, just why didn't you let him fight so he would have a fight? Because I don't think he, he's got a fight in, uh, since he turned pro with Pittsburgh. You know, why didn't you just give him the chance to have one fight? That would have been so awesome. That's all he wants. He said that's like the one thing he wants to achieve before he retires. Is he I know. Why not give I thought he one. was going to punch out uh, Anders Lee the other night, too, one of our very own, right off the your off guy. The jump. Yeah, my guy. He, uh, he didn't get to go. But, yeah, give give him Bennington. Feed him Bennington on a platter. And it's funny because I still go back to last year when we asked Marc-Andre Fleury about that. And I was like, what, why, what was going on there? He's like, the guy's always talking. He always wants to go, and he's so right. Like, I don't think anybody would be mad to see – Mark no. Andre Fleury knocked Bennington on his tush and just really sent him right. to another universe. And he was right there. Like yeah. we had it. We had that fight. It wasn't like he was stopped at center ice, you know? He was right there, and those clowns got in the way, and it sucks. Jared Spurgeon. So Garen was pretty evasive. He said, We'll have an update for you. This was on Monday. That will come at some point this week. What's your sense there? And and my fear is he is not coming back this season. My fear is it's a shoulder and it kept popping out or something. What are you hearing and what's your sense of where things stand with Jared Spurgeon? I actually asked John Hines this today post-practice just to see. I didn't think he'd have a whole lot in any way. I don't know that he'd be the one to necessarily announce it. I think that is a Billy G thing. Sure. Um, but he said he didn't have an update. But I do, like you mentioned, Judd, get the sense that Spurge is probably done for the year. And I think that's probably the best thing he can do. Um, John Hines saying, you know, right now, Spurgeon continues to try everything. He's trying different treatments. He's trying all these different methods. And what I, you know, reading into that am led to believe is he's trying to avoid surgery. He's trying to avoid going under the knife because once you have surgery, that pretty much means that your season is done. So I imagine that's the next step. So I think they're probably trying to prolong making that decision, trying to prolong making that announcement because nobody wants that, right? Especially a guy like Jared Spurgeon, who's the captain of this team, who is a constant on the blue line, but it's been a bad year for him. I mean, because when he comes back from that injury, he's not a hundred percent. I mean, we've seen that. That's why he's been up and down and in and out of the lineup. He just can't do it. Can't get it right. So, I mean, the best bet is for him to have this surgery I mean, Brock Faber has done tremendous things in his absence, in Brodeen's absence. Now you have Brodeen back. You have Damon Hunt playing well. Dakota Mermis has been quietly very good, too. And you notice I'm not saying two other defensemen's names <laughs> because they have not been good. They are in the press box for a reason. But I think you'd be okay. I do think, especially with, as we've already discussed on this episode, it's it's a season that you don't need Spurgeon to return to try to save it. So I think that's what I'm leading being led to believe. I do hope we get a final update, excuse me, by the end of this week, but I would be absolutely shocked if Spurgeon did return the season. Do the surgery now too. Like I, I, I get, I get the trepidation. Just probably pack it in for him. Get it done. And, and look, he'll, he'll be set. if, If you do it now, he'll be set for training camp. Right. So like, that's the most important thing. Because I hate this. Well, we'll try and do this. 
the most frustrating thing is with, with this type of uh, scenario, baseball pitchers, it's like, let's see if his, you know, we, we could do Tommy John, but let's see if rests, how, how often is rest done the trick? It's always right. something where that's not the case. So just well, my other thought yeah. on that too, though, sorry to cut you off there, but I'm not sorry. Nope, I do no have worries. another thought on it, but uh, yeah, no, you've got another thought. I can shut up. I got another thought. But I know. also, if he gets the surgery now, he can have a regular off season and get back to training yep. normally in the off season. You know, it, I've something I never really thought about until we go back to the Kuroka Kaprizov injury, right? Where that did absolutely hinder his start mm-hmm. of the season because he didn't train like he normally would during the off season. So I think that would be the other big factor, especially. I mean, Spurge ain't no spring chicken anymore, uh, as much as I'd like to think he is. Because again, I think we're about the same age, but he uh, he could need all that extra off season help that he could get. He's a young human. He's an old Mid- player. Are we middle-aged? Is that like a thing? Is that middle-aged? Middle-aged is middle-aged? 40, right? Okay. Or 50. I think, I well, I, I think well sports years are dog years. So he's an yes. old man. Oh, yeah. In sports years. But the second he retires, he's, he's, not, he's not old. I have but, a funny, there was a gentleman who was in town the other night um, from Germany covering different teams. He had been covering the NHL. Very nice man. Um, but obviously English, his second language. And he leans over and mentions to me, he's like, Matt Zuccarello, he's a, he's a grandpa too. And I was like, what, what are, and he just meant that he's old. And I was like, that's hilarious. Like he, he's a grandpa over there. Like he just had a he's baby. Right. <laughs> no, he's right. He, he's a grandpa yeah. sports wise. No yeah. question about it. Mm-hmm. Those guys are old. Jesse, great stuff. We, we will uh, talk to you next Wednesday, of course. Also check out her stuff with uh, Kirsten call at, uh, at the bar down beauties podcast. It's great stuff. I got a button. In fact, it, it's right there. So I got a button. It's great. Check out that. And also her work NHL.com uh, does a great job covering the wild on a daily basis. He's Declan. I'm Judd. We will see you soon.